Greetings, everyone. I hope you're well during this uh, difficult time. And for those of you fighting the disease, I really hope you recover as soon as possible. My name is Chiara Conti. I'm the Director of Climate Change and Sustainability Services for EY Greece. I would like to thank the organizers for the invitation and also thank you for participating in this, uh, in this session. So we're going to um, discuss about sustainability reporting uh, in the shipping sector. So we're going to see a bit of uh, new trends, uh, discuss how the shipping sector is uh, identifying and prioritizing material issues for disclosures in their sustainability reporting and what's the business case uh, behind that. And then the second part of the session will focus on the, the task force on climate-related financial disclosures and how climate change disclosures reveal business risk and opportunities. Uh, and we will focus again on the, on the transportation sector. Now, starting uh, with the business case for sustainability reporting, I'm going to discuss a few of the basics just so that we're all on the same page uh, before moving on. So, uh, starting with what sustainability reporting is, if we take the Global Reporting Initiative uh, definition, uh, it's an organization's practice on reporting publicly on its economic, environmental, and social impacts, and hence how it contributes either positively or negatively to sustainable development. Now, an important point here uh, that I would like to make is uh, that um, the, in, in previous years, the um, the sustainability reports used to be more about how the company is managing sustainable development for itself. Now, what has changed is that what uh, investors and other stakeholders are looking for is how the company has identified the impacts that are more related to their business models and how these impacts actually create value for stakeholders and uh, society, economy, and environment uh, in general. So this is more of an outward-looking perspective than what we are we used to have as sustainability reports up to now. Now the the very uh, trend, the very new trend, let's say that we have the past years, is uh, the focus that investors have on what they call ESG uh, information, so environment, social, and governance information. So it seems that uh, given a recent survey that we did uh, on a global scale. Uh, for institutional investors, uh, more than 97% of them said that they are paying attention to non-financial ESG information. Now, what's interesting in this slide uh, is, first of all, the issues on the left hand of the, of the slide is the issues that they're looking for are uh, governance practices, supply chain, and how the impacts of company through their supply chains on environment and uh, society and economy are uh, affecting the, the stakeholders there. Uh, the history of uh, poor human rights practices, again, throughout the, the supply and value chain, risks from climate change, resource scarcity, etc. Now, what's uh, really interesting here is to see between the two different years, 2017 and 2018, uh, the differences on how uh, investors will rule out immediately um, investment in case of poor governance practices, so, so from 38% that has uh, gone up to 63%, the same for supply chain uh, ESC factors, the same for human rights, uh, but most importantly, the biggest change that we see here is 
or from the risks related to climate change. Now, this is so one indication that's very important on how these topics have uh, gained momentum on the investors' agenda. Now, if we take that to a more broad perspective, uh, what we see here, don't bother about the, the very small fonts, I just want you to focus on the, on the colors. What we see here is different um, risks identified from the World Economic Forum. So it's an analysis of the risks from 2007 to 2020. And the colors signify the blue ones are the economic, green ones environmental, orange geopolitical, red societal, and uh, purple are the technological ones. So what I want you to, to pay attention here is the focus and how the trend is changing between years to more uh, environmental and social risks. So there's another indication that on a global scale, uh, across societies and economies, uh, risks that have to do with uh, the environment, like climate change again, and the disasters coming from that, and how we're able to mitigate extreme weather events and other risks are uh, on the top of the agenda, both in terms of likelihood and impact. Now, the business case, uh, besides from uh, the, the risk perspective, has a lot to do with creating shared value. And I will get into the shipping sector specifics in a bit. Now, what we see here is the value uh, that an organization creates, uh, it's in, in three, let's say, different layers. So it's the direct value that we are used to uh, disclose through financial reporting and annual reports, which is a gray circle. Then we have third value, which is the value that uh, is being exchanged between organizations and their stakeholders. And the externalities, either positive or negative, that have to do with how a company creates or destroys value for the general economy, society, and the environment. So a very uh, easy example here is to discuss how a company creates value, let's say, for the specific group of stakeholders, uh, employees specifically, through training and development. So for example, a company that's investing in the training and development of their employees is creating value for the company itself, given that the employees are uh, most, most likely to be more productive through uh, training and development, but it also creates value for the state, for employees themselves in terms of uh, intellectual and their human capital. So it's, it's a shared value creation here. And then if we take another example, like creation of employment, we would have the, the direct employment positions in the gray circle. We will have the indirect employment positions that a company creates through their supply chain. Um, and the value chain, both upstream and downstream, in the in the white circle, and then we would have what we call induced position of employment in the general economy. So sustainability reporting and the business case behind it is that it's a it's a means to an end of uh, disclosing the total value that a company creates in re, in these uh, three layers. Now, uh, if we take a specific example from, from the shipping sector, we would see uh, some issues that are either as identified through the company's responsibility to specific stakeholders for negative impacts that they have. So for example, issues like safety, human rights, employee relations, uh, diversity and inclusion, disaster response, uh, responsible tax and ocean health. Now, some other issues are categorized under a risk perspective. So, air emissions, spills, anti-corruption, and responsible procurement. 
And there are a few issues that also fall under the third value perspective. So climate change, inclusive trade, food loss, uh, and civil recycling. All of these issues obviously can be identified through the risk lens or through the third value lens. It's not either or, uh, but it's important to identify the issues of the sector based on the most important impacts that the sector has, either directly to stakeholders or broadly to the economy, society, and environment. Now, specifically for the shipping sector and other sectors, but now we'll focus on the shipping sector, there's a Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, uh, which um, focuses on, it's actually a non-for-profit organization that provides uh, sustainability accounting standards for SEC companies. Uh, obviously, other companies are also able to use them. And for each sector, they have identified uh, a series of what they call topics and account metrics and their additional, obviously, category and unit of measure. So for the shipping sector, one uh, material issue that needs to be disclosed in the ESC and sustainability reporting uh, has to do with the environmental footprint of fuel use. Now, they are proposing specific accounting metrics for that, like gross global scope one emissions, the description of long-term and short-term strategy or plan to manage uh, scope one emissions, reduction targets and large performance against these targets, total energy consumed, and so forth, air emissions, energy efficiency design index, specifically for new ships. Now, there are also other topics like uh, ecological impacts. So, for example, the impacts on biodiversity, so the, the, the metric here would be uh, the shipping duration in, in marine uh, protected areas and areas of protected conservation status, the percentage of fleet implementing ballast water chain ballast water treatment, and so forth. So uh, respectively for business ethics, uh, there are specific indicators we have to do, uh, for example, the Transparency International's uh, Corruption Perception Index. So what are the num which are the numbers of Calls at ports in countries that have uh, the 20th lowest rankings in this index, the amount of legal and regulatory fines and settlements associated with bribery or corruption, and then, of course, it's the category of accidents and safety management, which is really um, important for the sector. So, number of serious marine incidents, lost time injury rate, number of conditions of class or organizations, number of post state control deficiencies and detentions. Now, there are a lot of other um, global standards up there. The Global Reporting Initiative is an integrated uh, reporting council's integrated reporting framework, which all of them really uh, emphasize the need to, in this exact logic, identify and prioritize in sustainability reports the topics that are most significant specifically for each sector based on the impacts that the sector creates. So if you would open a sustainability report from a company in the shipping sector, that should be very different in terms of focus and contents than one in the pharmaceutical sector or any other sector. So it, that's, that's one of the main differences of how sustainability reporting has evolved. And this is the main, reasons why, the main reason why stakeholders, investors, and others are focusing more on this information because it's information that is missing from regular um, annual publications, and it's information that is very important for the long-term uh, prospects of a company and the value that it creates. 
Now, if we go specifically to to check on the on the task force on climate related financial disclosures and the, the need for uh, understanding business risk and opportunities for climate change and how you need to disclose that, uh, there is this uh, new recommendations from the Financial Stability Board. So we see a lot of investors recently uh, being really focused for specifically for climate change, looking for this. Um, the CFD framework and uh, disclosures in, in companies' reports. Now, how does this work? We have uh, four main categories of disclosures that are expected in this uh, framework. So the first one uh, has to do with the governance, how the company is actually uh, managing, including board and management involvement uh, in terms of climate change and how this uh, comes down to the strategy that the company has identified and uh, implements for that. So the actual and potential impacts of climate-related risks and opportunities, and how these affect the overall strategy, and most importantly, financial planning. So after that, they expect that given that climate change is embedded in the corporate strategy, Companies should also have a process to identify, assess, and manage climate-related risks and opportunities. And this is a very important point because it, it has to stop being ad hoc and it has to be uh, integrated into broader uh, risk assessments. Now, the, the final part of the disclosures that are recommended by the Financial Stability Board are metrics and targets and indicators to assess and manage these risks and opportunities. Now, this is a part usually that companies have already some disclosures in their annual or sustainability reports. For example, uh, disclosures like the ones we just saw before on the, on the SASB accounting metrics, disclosures about emissions, energy use, waste, and so forth. The, the part that is uh, currently missing has to do more with governance strategy and risk management. Now, what we uh, are doing as a why uh, for the past years, and uh, a new publication is coming out really soon, is uh, we assess a, a large number of companies globally across sectors, so more than 500 companies in 18 countries, that are actually uh, disclosing information according to the TCFD recommendations. Now, the main findings uh, for this are that companies have indeed uh, proceeded in assessing and starting to disclose climate change-related risks, which is uh, an important step compared to what was happening uh, a few years ago. And um, another important fact is the area for improvement that uh, is there for uh, actually enhancing the quality of, uh, of these disclosures. Now, if we go into more uh, specific, let's say, results of this barometer, we will see that from the total companies uh, assessed, as we said, two-thirds of them are already disclosing, and only a third is disclosing at a level that they are fully uh, covering the recommendations of the TCFD uh, framework. So. The, the areas where they seem as overall across sectors that uh, companies are lacking behind is how they have integrated this uh, climate risk and opportunity uh, assessment to their strategy uh, and risk management. Now, if we uh, segment the financial and non-financial sectors, we, we see a 
very small improvement in terms of quality for the non-financial sector. And if we go specifically to the transportation sector, uh, we would see that it's uh, among the first uh, non-financial sectors that has a high score on the coverage of the disclosures and a uh, good score on the quality. Now, the, again, specifically for, for the transportation sector, we see that uh, depending also on the countries, uh, a few differences exist. So the more regulated the countries or the continent where the country belongs is in terms of climate change, uh, the higher the scores, both in government strategy, risk management and, and targets and metrics. So we see France, Germany and the US appearing as leaders compared to, to Asia at this uh, point in time. Now, another important point is but half of the companies assessed uh, have already responded to the CDP, so the carbon disclosure project, and uh, the, the quality scores uh, are uh, better in terms of, of targets and metrics uh, compared to the rest. The rest. Now, if we would take away a few findings from this uh, barometer overall, is uh, as we said that there there are a lot of companies two-thirds already disclosing, but they are lacking uh, high-quality disclosures in the DCFD, so there's a lot of room for uh, improvement here. Um, also, uh, as we said, the, the quality of the disclosures is found to be very much related to the regulation and government support in terms of climate change uh, mitigation adaptation. Uh, so, again, in countries where this is more regulated, we see better scores. And the quality also uh, has to do with uh, identifying transition and physical risks of climate change. So what we see here is that most companies identify transition risks, which are risks that have to do with the overall uh, context and environment related to climate change, so how the regulation is changing, how our stakeholder needs and expectations are changing. Um, and uh, physical risks have to do with either acute or chronic uh, impacts of climate change. Uh, it seems uh, that physical risks are mostly overlooked uh, in valuation models, which is posing uh, questions on, on the long-term perspective. So if a company is not currently assessing the risks of uh, acute or chronic uh, climate events in specific time intervals and time periods, it's not that easy to predict and uh, make the necessary adjustments in terms of financial planning or assets, uh, as an example. Now, um, the, one of the disclosures that are recommended under the TCFD has to do with how are you actually translating the operational risk that you find from climate change issues and how do you uh, transpose that into financial impact? So it seems that content sources of disclosures have not yet been incorporating uh, uh, in, in, in the sense of uh, financial disclosures. So the, it, this is something that is missing glo globally on a global scale. Um, some companies include disclosures within the annual report but it's not always in financial terms. So that's like, let's say, the ultimate objective of the, of the DCFD recommendations. Now, in order to do that, what companies need is uh, scenario analysis. So it seems scenario on the, um, in terms of uh, the 
degrees of um, how the, the temperature is, is rising in specific under specific scenarios and what are the implications of these scenarios on operational and financial planning. So at the moment, it seems that it's only 12% of companies assessing uh, scenario analysis and uh, allowing that information to be part of their uh, financial planning. Now, just to sum up, uh, it's obvious from, from this assessment and our experience in general that climate risks are more complex and uh, being long, longer term in nature are more difficult uh, to assess compared to additional business risks. Now, this has contributed obviously to a lack of understanding and difficulties in impact measurements. So the next steps for the sector uh, would be, first of all, to make a, an integration of the, of the different metrics and uh, indicators that they currently use to um, measure and monitor climate change impacts and understand that on a value chain perspective. And then add the four aspects of the TCFD, so governance, strategy, risk management, and metrics in the way that they disclose this information. So at the end of the day, we get not only an, from an operational perspective where these risks uh, have impact to the business, but also from a financial perspective. And this enables companies to be more prepared for what is coming in terms of both climate change risks and opportunities. So that was a like, brief oversight of these uh, new developments. Uh, thank you very much for, uh, for your attention.